Tropical Storm Weifa, currently located southeast of Taiwan, is approaching slowly but surely, and it could strengthen into a typhoon this weekend. The storm's approach could mark the end of fair weather in Taiwan for the mid-autumn festival long weekend. The Central Weather Bureau says it expects to issue a sea warning on Sunday or Monday as the storm approaches eastern Taiwan. It says it is unlikely to issue a land warning unless the storm veers to the west. Taste of Europe is a video series in which diplomats stationed in Taiwan cook dishes from their home countries. In one episode, the director general of the Spanish Chamber of Commerce teaches the audience how to make tortilla de patatas. Basic ingredients are potatoes, potatoes eggs, and uh, onion. Director General of the Spanish Chamber of Commerce, Eduardo Ayuba, introduces the ingredients needed to make Spanish omelette or tortilla de patatas. The Spanish omelette is probably the number one tapa, the most, the number one tapa. The most traditional tapa if you uh, eat just a small portion. But it may also be eaten at home, sitting at the table along with your family or friends mm -hmm. with a plate. And Spanish omelette will go very well with salad or vegetables or Spanish ham. So True. you can eat it both ways, as a tapa or as a dish. The ingredients include three potatoes, five to six eggs, one large onion, olive oil, salt, and pimenton de la vera, a fragrant smoked paprika. The first step is to cut the potatoes and onions, then add some olive oil and fry the potatoes and onions. Um, frying time will be around 20 minutes. Around 20 minutes. When they get when the potato and the onion get a nice golden color, yes, they're ready. Then remove the excess olive oil and then mix the potatoes and onions with the eggs. Let it settle for 5 to 10 minutes. This will settle for 5 to 10 minutes. Some people won't do it and they will go straight to the frying pan. But I think this little trick, which I learned from my mother, it's good for our potato to be more juicy. Coming from the 16th century. Then sprinkle some paprika and fry the potatoes and eggs again. Then flip it and the dish is ready to be served. A new episode of Taste of Europe is released every Friday. In the episodes, representatives from 15 EU member states teach viewers how to make authentic European dishes from their home countries. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lee Han in Taipei. China's increasingly varied military provocations toward Taiwan have caught the attention of media outlets worldwide. CNN reporter Will Ripley recently visited Jingmen to file a special report on the development. Experts say the recent incursion of drones over the outlying archipelago may be another example of calculated microaggression in China's campaign to intimidate Taiwan. These anti-landing strips have been lining the beaches here for more than 70 years since the end of China's civil war. These days, it's not tanks coming over from the Chinese city of Xiamen. A drone is not a declaration of war, but in recent days, Chinese drones have repeatedly made incursions over Jinmen, Taiwan's first line of defense, presumably taking footage of military bases and even dropping items. Taiwan's government has criticized these gray zone tactics. 
Now, CNN is focusing on the tension in the Taiwan Strait. The intruder hovers over a Taiwanese military outpost. CNN's Taipei-based reporter made a trip to Jinmen, describing how Taiwan soldiers at first threw stones at Chinese drones, and in later intrusions shot at them with live ammunition. The slow escalation of tactics gradually ratchets up the defense threat. Beijing has not made any attempt to clarify or explain its usage of drones. On social media, videos emerge which appear to show private Chinese citizens operating the devices. It's unclear whether the drones are truly independently operated or whether they have been encouraged or organized by Chinese officials. That could also be part of China's cognitive warfare strategies. The timing is sensitive. Just days before the drone's appearance, Beijing was officially castigating the visit of U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan and organizing large-scale military drills. So we are only going to see more and more of these um, attempts. They wanted to provoke what the Taiwan's defenses. China's continual microaggressions and not standard military posturing. Analysts warn that these gray zone tactics are calculated to put pressure on Taiwan's military. Welcome back. The U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations is expected to review a bill next Wednesday that could overhaul U.S.-Taiwan relations. The Taiwan Policy Act of 2022 proposes boosting Taiwan's status to a major non-NATO ally of the U.S., fast-tracking arms sales to Taiwan, and changing the name of Taiwan's representative office in Washington. Earlier this week, a White House advisor said that the Biden administration had some concern over the bill. Let's hear from an expert. It's almost like upgrading the Taiwan-U.S. relationship to a quasi-state-to-state relationship, and that could prompt other countries to also push to rename Taiwan's representative offices. The U.S. executive branch will of course have some concerns about whether that could be used as a reason or a pretext for Beijing to take action. It could blame the U.S. and say the U.S. is the one changing the status quo in the Taiwan Strait, not China. During the bill's passage through the whole of Congress, I am sure more people will come out to assess and discuss the bill. Experts say the bill could damage U.S.-China relations and break with the terms of the three joint communiques. They warned that this could give China an excuse to act more aggressively toward Taiwan. The National Taiwan Museum of Fine Arts is now exhibiting works of award-winning Dutch photographer Erwin Olaf. The exhibition features a selection of 130 of Olaf's photography, installations and videos produced over a span of 40 years. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang gives us the highlights. This installation is titled Keyhole. It shows a corridor with still photographs. Visitors can peer through a keyhole on a door to see a projection inside. There's also this photo, April Fools. Olaf shot this photo in 2020, hoping to document the fragility of humans during the COVID-19 pandemic. The exhibition titled Perfect Moment in Complete World is now on show in Taiwan. The exhibition features a selection of 130 of Olaf's photography, installations and videos produced over a span of 40 years. It traces his artistic path to capture perfect moments in an incomplete world. And the exhibition that you are going to see 
as the title Perfect Moment, an Incomplete World. And I think that title is very well chosen because that is uh, more or less what you see in all my works. A perfect world, but with a little crack in it. The exhibition is separated into four categories. The first exhibition area is called 12X Erwin Olaf, which showcases his photos alongside works by 12 Dutch artists. The second exhibition space consists of three sections that showcase works that captured perfect moments in an imperfect world. Olaf is known for his large format color prints of stage scenes that explore gender, history, and sensuality. It touches me really to have an exhibition in Taiwan at this moment of time. And there are two reasons. Because uh, your country is a strong, has been growing into a strong democratic uh, power in Asia. And um, um, what makes me feel really proud, uh, extra proud, is because uh, Taiwan was the first country in Asia to allow the same-sex marriage. It's one of the most important, most iconic modern-day Dutch artists um, and the mere fact that he is here right now exhibiting in Taiwan I guess is a good thing for art lovers but it's also good for the Netherlands to be able to show our um, let's say our cultural prowess. The exhibition is on at the National Taiwan Museum of Fine Arts till November 27th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Shi Han in Taipei. The Prime Minister of Tuvalu, Kausea Natano, visited the Council of Indigenous Peoples on Friday. There, he and local officials advocated for closer ties between Taiwan's indigenous cultures and the greater Austronesian community. Council Minister Ichan Parad said he looked forward to closer bilateral exchanges and cooperation with Taiwan's South Pacific diplomatic ally. Kausea Natano, the Prime Minister of Taiwan's Pacific ally Tuvalu, is in Taiwan for the first time since taking leadership of his country. Tuvalu and Taiwan's Austronesian peoples have similar cultures, which is why Natano on Friday visited the Council of Indigenous Peoples before his departure from Taiwan. Performers in full regalia sing and dance in a spectacle showcasing Taiwan's indigenous cultures. The council's minister offered several presents to the PM, including an alofo, which is a traditional Amish sling bag, and a woven atayal artwork. The gifts symbolize constant interactions between Taiwan and Tuvalu. We look forward to more dialogue and cooperation in the future. And I hope that you can come back to Taiwan again very soon and visit the Council of Indigenous Peoples once again. We hope you have a safe flight back. The two officials discussed the current state of Indigenous peoples in Taiwan, as well as Taiwan's Indigenous policies and the future direction of the Austronesian Forum. Many Formosan languages share similar vocabulary with Tuvaluan, among them being the words for numbers and body parts. The Tuvalu PM said that closer attention should be paid to the origins of the languages. I totally agree with your Honorable Minister that Tuvalu and Taiwan's indigenous people share many of common values, cultural norms and practices. 
Taiwan and Tuvalu have maintained formal diplomatic relations for 43 years now. The Tuvaluan Prime Minister's visit is not only proof of the close friendship between the two countries, but also the start of further cooperation between Tuvalu and Taiwan's indigenous people. Now turning to the Taipei mayoral race, the DPP's candidate Chen Shizhong and independent Huang Shenshen attended the opening ceremony of Art Taipei on Friday. Though Chen and Huang had recently locked horns over gender equality, policies, the two rivals seemed to be in high spirits and almost amicable at the event. In contrast, Chen's relations with his KMT challenger Jiang Wan'an remained tense, especially due to disagreements over policies relating to long-term care for older adults. The DPP's mayoral candidate for Taipei, Chen Shijun, stands on stage with his independent rival Huang Shanshan at the opening ceremony of Art Taipei. Together they pour bottles of colourful sand over their own portraits. Wait, wait, Huang Shanshan's sand is falling on your portrait. You need to pour some over here. Don't let it fall on your side. Hosting the event, DPP lawmaker Mark Ho pointed out that some of Huang's sand was falling on Chen's part of the portrait. It was all in good humour though, with laughs coming from the audience. I support Chen Shizhong, both rationally and emotionally. This is what friendship looks like. Election competition seemed to be absent at the event. Just one day earlier, Huang had voiced criticism of Chen's proposed gender equality policies, saying that Chen only now had finally caught up with the times. Chen responded to the criticism on Friday. The current Taipei policies offer subsidies at the middle school level. Our proposal is to extend that to elementary schools and high schools. As a male candidate, I know that we need to expand the range. Does she, as a female candidate, not know this? Over recent weeks, Chen has also engaged in a war of words with his KMT rival Zhang Wan'an over long-term care policies for older people. Chen has said that Zhang does not understand long-term care at all, while Zhang has said that Chen's long-term care policies are tragic. He's all talk. Under the DPP's leadership, Taiwan's long-term care 1.0 policy progressed to long-term care 2.0, addressing many social issues. The policy enjoys 93% support from the public. It's not something you can achieve by just talking. He wants to solve issues by pushing for policies that fall outside the scope of existing laws. I'll be waiting to hear how he proposes we should break through these legal restrictions. Chen said that Jiang's long-term care proposals were out of touch, criticising him for waiting until now to propose legal amendments, even though he had served as a lawmaker earlier. Meanwhile, the KMT has taken to calling Huang Shanshan Tsai Ing-wen's girl in recent days. Reports say it's an attempt to make her appear more DPP-leaning, so the party can capture more voters who are undecided but opposed to the DPP. Many British expatriates in Taiwan were taken by surprise by the news of Queen Elizabeth II's passing. Some say they rushed to call their relatives in the UK to confirm the news, while others burst into tears on the spot. Let's hear what they have to say. I started crying so early in the morning, I just couldn't believe it. 
I felt personally involved as if my grandmother had passed away. The queen was consistently neutral and never expressed any political views. So whenever the nation ran into difficult times or the economy was in chaos, or whenever the UK was attacked by terrorists, she was in a very important position. She just had this ability to hold our country together. No one can replace her. The Queen represents the UK. Whenever you say the Queen, everyone will think of the Queen of the UK, not the Queens of any other countries. I'm very proud of this. She always gave a Christmas address on the news for all to hear. But this December, we won't have her talking to us. Taiwanese politicians from across the political spectrum also immediately expressed their condolences in a statement. President Tsai Ing-wen expressed her deepest condolences on behalf of Taiwan. She said that under Elizabeth's leadership, in the UK was an indispensable pillar of global democracy through the changes and challenges of different eras. She added that Taiwan would continue to work with the UK towards shared values and ideals. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs also released a statement saying that the Queen's death was a tremendous loss, not for UK, but also for the international community, for which she had served as an outstanding leader.